1: This is the Retirement Ready Podcast with President and Founder Eric Peterson of Peterson Financial Group, Iowa's retirement specialist with an office in Des Moines. It's time to make sure that you're retirement ready.
0: Talk about some outdated strategies. So let's talk about some of these, Eric. Let's just start with savings accounts for long-term growth. Now, I don't think anybody thought this was even realistic over the last decade plus. But with the interest rates ticking up, people seeing some slightly better numbers, is that something someone should consider? I would think that this is never going to actually work for long-term growth.
2: Right, because there's a difference between savings and investing that right. people kind of lose track of. Now, if you could get this the rates today and lock them in for a long time, that'd be great. But the problem is they're not going to give you a CD at – let's say 5% as they're at today for some of these things, they're going to give that for 20 years. Right,
0: right. <laughs> because, you might get, what, one or three or five maybe? Right,
2: because even if you go out longer on the spectrum, the CD rates are actually even are shorter yes. because they know that rates are going to change. Um, I always tell people uh, in my class, if you want to know the, a great way, uh, if you're you know good with technology and, and uh, quantum physics, if you could build a time machine, <laughs> and you go back to 1982, um, CDs were paying almost 15%.
0: Yeah, but what was your mortgage?
2: True. Yeah, that's that double-edged sword. So when right. interest rates are high, they're also high for borrowing as well as for saving.
0: I mean, like savings in a savings account for long-term growth probably never really has been a good strategy. It's no, really it's, there for the emergency, Right. Well, savings is
2: that. You're saving for something like yeah. when you're early, down payment on a house. You're saving for a child's college education. You're saving for a vacation. You're yeah, it's saving, more than now money, right? Yeah. it's uh, or, or, you know, within for a soon. couple of years yeah. out, you know. But savings is I know that I want that money to be there at this point in the future. Mm-hmm. Investing is putting money in. You're trying to grow it, which means it may grow. It may decrease because you're in investments. Mm-hmm. And so – you know, some people say, you know, what? A, when the stock market crashed in, you know, two thousand eight and nine, um, some people are lamenting because my kids' college savings is gone. Well, I would argue you weren't saving it; you were investing it. And so, investments do have ups and downs. and savings don't. In retirement, or people approach retirement, it's just a safe place to have some emergency money, right? I want to be able to, you know, if the roof gets blown off, I can pay that or pay the deductible at least, or. You think about stuff that can just pop up, you know, how much do you really need? It's an individual conversation. Most people say, well, you're working, you know, six to one year, six months to a year worth of expenses in a safe place in case you lose your job or something like that. You can pay your bills. And retirement's really a comfort factor that you have to have. Just understand that it's, you know, not going to earn a lot until today. I mean, until this time and period, you go back two years, it wasn't paying anything. Now it's paying decent. I don't think that's going to maintain because I don't think we can maintain these interest rates for an extended period of time. It's going to hurt too many things. So yeah, sure. they're going to have to come down at some point in the future.
0: Yeah, so don't just don't fall into that strategy of I mean, even if you, you know, did come through that period in the in the seventies or the early eighties when it was fifteen or seventeen percent, and maybe you were getting some longer term growth, it's just not probably on the horizon. So again, an outdated strategy. All right. Diversification across stocks on only, Eric. So, again, we talk, obviously, everyone hears diversification is a good thing, but what are we talking about here by saying it's outdated if we're talking about stocks only?
2: Because most stocks are highly correlated to each other. I mean, if you say, okay, I'm going to get the S&P 500 because that's got 500 stocks in it. It's mm-hmm. pretty diversified. And has a lot of representation. Well, the top 10 stocks move 30% of that index.
0: Yeah. And right now, they're pretty much the same type of thing
2: right yeah. yeah so tech is what's driving and tech is yeah. a big representative in the s&p 500 as well as of course the nasdaq right so right, right. you want to understand what you own and why you own it and have a broad you know a basis of stocks but why are stocks in your portfolio bigger question to ask because you're in those for long-term growth you what you don't want is those to be the cornerstone of where you want to get your income from or something like that we're we'll talking about that a little bit later but just because you're saying i'm diversified well how are you? And on the reverse side, you can kind of be over-diversified. Some people come in, they'll have, okay, well, my my current person put me in five different mutual funds and we pull up a, what's called a, um, a stock overlap sheet. And of those five mutual funds, they almost all hold the same stuff in their top 10 holdings. Yeah. If you're so, all
0: large-cap weighted, for example, and it correct. Takes, takes a dive, well, they're all taking a dive.
2: They all have Microsoft, they all have Apple, they all have Google, they all have Amazon, right? So what you want are different, there's some high dividend payers, which are great if you want income. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, of course, growth-oriented stocks. But the key in, in a retirement plan, I feel, my firm feels, is that having more predictable, safer strategies to pull income from is key. And then stocks being earmarked for growth. But, yes, you can be – diversification is a tool that's always thrown out there to make people feel better. Oh, you're fully diversified. Well, when the stock market goes down, guess what? All stocks go down typically.
0: Well, and if you think about that as an asset class, right? I mean, there's so many asset classes, so you want to have diversification not only amongst the types of stocks or mutual funds, or maybe even ETFs that you own, but also the fact that there are just other asset classes out there.
2: Oh, sure. There's all kinds of things out there. It's fixed income, there's, of course, you know, savings account we talked about earlier, CDs, uh, real estate, of course, gold, um, all kinds of different asset classes. Bonds, that's part of fixing. So just having
0: one asset class is also not a good idea.
2: No, no. It's like having all your stock, all your money in one company.
0: Yeah.
2: It's bad. That's what people that worked for Enron got caught up in, right? They had Enron stock. They also bought it in their 401K and all this stuff. And so when Enron, you know, went bankrupt – they lost everything, not only their job, but also all their assets and, yeah. and save retirement savings, that kind of stuff. So never smart.
0: Yeah. I mean, think about it like your home garden that you may have. Like we my wife and I've got quite a few things in the yard growing, but it's not truly enough to sustain us, right? We couldn't live off just the one small uh, planter. It's not even a small planter. This thing's like 20 feet long, right? But there's still not enough growing out of that on a regular basis to, to feed us all the time. So we have to have another source of Of food. Same kind of idea. Right.
2: Right. Or sometimes you plant something that produces so much stuff that you're giving it away. Like cucumbers, right? Or, or, uh, it's
0: the one that'll grow more than anything. Exactly. It's cucumbers. You're right. Right. Or
2: we we, love habaneros, but we'll plant, you know, and all of a sudden all of them come too. We use like one maybe every two weeks when we make salsa. So I got all these other habaneros. Yeah. And if you're starving,
0: yeah, you could eat more of them, but, you know, every day, all day long is your only food source. Probably not going to be well. So, all right. Uh, So, well, let's stay in the, the conversation around the markets. And what about focusing on just domestic only? So, you were talking about diversification within the stock market. Does it mean you're being anti-American or anything like that? But is it worthwhile to have um, a sprinkle, you know, a couple of uh, a pinch of this, a pinch of that? Eric, you like to cook uh, from different markets.
2: Sure. I mean, but the thing about investing internationally is that you take on some other risk. Big one, of course, is is currency risk, right? People, they're traded in different currencies sometimes. Sure, yeah. Uh, Political risk right but i would argue that by buying large u.s companies you're getting a lot of international exposure anyways okay because they do business in all those other countries i mean coca-cola is what coca-cola's one mission at one time was to have a coke within arm's reach of every person on the planet yeah and name a country you can go to that doesn't have coca-cola in it
0: yeah well they'd like to give the world a coke and teach it how to sing in harmony right
2: right so you have big brands. apple you know in in Europe apple's everywhere, Samsung's everywhere, so you have companies that do you know some of their business, half of it's in other country, so you can get enough. Uh, I think, international exposure that way, well, you, and then you don't hear, have the currency risk.
0: Well, you hear people say stuff like, I've got a little something in emerging markets or something like that, and I think people kind of get confused or wonder what that's all about. And so if you are kind of spreading it out a little bit, is it the same kind of scenario as, let's say, precious metals or something, where it's just a little, don't go too crazy? Kind of like, correct, like 5% correct. type of thing?
2: Everything in, in moderation, right? Gotcha. Because uh, the emerging markets are the ones that are going to be – They call it the leading edge, but also the bleeding edge.
0: Mm,
2: (laughs) So when times are good (laughs) in growth area, they're going to lead the way in growth. And when times get tougher, like COVID, that kind of stuff, they go down tremendously. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's let's go into uh, this next one here. We're going to stay with the food analogy. I don't know how we got there, but it works. So we're going to stay rolling with that on this last one, and we'll jump out and take a break. And that's just relying or even primarily leaning on Social Security for retirement. Now, can it work? Yes, my mother's doing it. uh, But it's not what her goal was, right? So if you're thinking about the you know three items of food on your plate, right? Let's say steak and, and potatoes and some vegetables, uh, you know maybe no more than one third should be Social Security of your overall you know income. Is is that too high or is that uh, about where it should be? What do you think? Uh, it
2: really depends, right? Just like any any answer. True. Um, it depends on really what you spend. Um, some people actually, between that and maybe a little bit of withdrawal from some savings, they're living quite comfortably, and that means they can um, control their taxes.
0: Should it be a primary focus, though?
2: Social security? Yeah. Um, it, we we do a complete analysis when people come in, and when we put it in their plan, it does make up a a big chunk yeah, of their sure. retirement yeah. income. What's nice about it, the way we look at it strategically, is that from a tax standpoint, because... Social Security is not 100% taxable like withdrawals from a 401k would be or even a pension. True.
0: Okay.
2: You know, you're lucky not to have a pension. That's great. But guess what? That's 100% taxable to use ordinary income. Social Security, it's only up to 85% of it, but combined with, let's say, distributions from a Roth IRA, not taxable. So having Social Security from a strategy of, hey, can I reduce my taxes for a few years before I have this onslaught of required minimum distributions, Right. That's now pushed out to age 73 for some folks. For me, it's actually 75, so I was born after 1960. Anyone born after 1960, currently, you don't have to take anything out of your retirement plans. not forced to until you're 75. That's a lot of time to do some planning. Yeah. So not looking at it as, as uh, it's the only thing I'm going to live on. Obviously, there are some people that are in that environment that didn't save. But how can I use it strategically and before they start maybe monkeying with it, right? We do know it's got some issues with it. You know, they are going to start paying out more, than they're bringing in all this kind of stuff, and so you just want to use it smartly and get the real truth about how it can work in your plan.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's something that's one of the things we do in our retirement readiness reviews: is full Social Security analysis and show how it can really benefit you, not only from a predictable income stream, but also from a tax uh, saving standpoint. So, come and kind of visit with us if you want to learn more about how to maximize your Social Security benefit.